Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Episode 59 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hi, Paris. It's a stuffy Chris today. It's a sick Chris. I have uh, uh, my backwards cap on and my sunglasses and <laughs> doing kickflips. And I'm also super snotty and my throat hurts. Oh, no. So. We got to send you back to your home planet after this episode. It's too sure. bad. Um, <laughs> uh, so this time we read I'm Living But I'm Not Alive, book one in the Black Caviar series by Simon H. Can you spell Simon for me, please, yes, Paris? Simon. P S Y M O N. Oh, oh, like a Pokemon then. Yeah, he yeah, and his <laughs> his last name is just an initial, just H. It's not like I'm pronouncing something weird. What uh, do you think what do you think H stands for? Something British as fuck. I don't know, like Harrington or something. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Harry Potter. The, Simon Harry Potter. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. But it's Harry Potter is like one word. Harry Potter. <laughs> You you know someone's gonna change their name to that, someplace. or like or like they spell it in a way where it looks like a real name, but then they say it, and you're like, oh, you just messed with the word with the fucking <laughs> name Harry Potter. What a dick. Oh, um, anyway, uh, if this is your first time listening to the Terrible Book Club, what we do here is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. So we read books that we would never read under normal circumstances. Uh, we're kind of like an anti-book club. The book club antichrist is how I recently put it in an interview. Um, so, you know, usually this results in a hilariously disappointing read or just a disappointing read. Uh, but once in a while, we really like the book and it turns out we're just the ones who are terrible. So um, this... It didn't happen this time. No, Uh this episode's a little special. We were hoping, we were actually hoping it would be more special. Um, we'll explain in a moment. But we became aware of this book uh, and this series because the editor of the series posted about it in a Facebook group. Um, that Facebook group is called Men Failing at Erotica. Uh, I think the title is a, is a bit inaccurate because things get posted by writers of you know all sorts of gender identities it's not just men um i I think it started out that way and then we've now you know everyone understands that everyone can they needed more more content and they're like you know what let's just open the floodgates everyone's capable of writing some trash erotic oh well it's true i kind of wish they would change the name of the group but it doesn't matter uh but anyway it was a like the silly group that my friend laura i think invited me and chris to long ago and so they didn't let me in why didn't they let you in? I don't know. They didn't let me in. You, did you answer the questions, Chris? I'm pretty sure I did. Hmm, that's weird. Anyway, um, so every day, you know, the, and the group now is just so large. It's kind of like that dog spotting group on Facebook that's just like so large that you get too many posts. So most of the time I have it turned off. 
Um, but once in a while, I'll see a post, and uh, yeah, I just happened to see this post by um, Preston, who was the editor for this book, and uh, he made a special post about how bad it was and how terrible the writing was. And I don't, I don't want to go into too much detail because he has a hell of a story about his experience working with this author, and we're actually hoping to have him on um, at a later date, or perhaps maybe just for the Patreon. We're not sure yet. But um, thank you to Preston for alerting us to the existence of this book. Um, so needless to say, uh, I think I can sum his experience up with this author and editing the series as negative. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, it's, yeah. Did you have, wait, Paris, did you have any positive experience with this book? Was was there even one part that was Um, kind of good? Well, uh, uh, well, before we, hang on, before we get too far, I just want to do our content warnings. So, uh, the content warnings for this episode, so in addition to our usual barnyard language, uh, we've got some sex scenes, a little bit of torture, a lot of drug use, guns, kidnapping, and forced prostitution. So, like, you know, if those things are problematic for you, perhaps choose another episode to listen to today. Um, But back to the book. So this is the synopsis for this particular book. It's time for you to fire up your Kindle for the most ingenious and movie-like thriller e-book series, Black Caviar. There's a new gangster in Chai Town, and his name is Damon. He's vicious, calculative, and a genius in his own right. I'm living, but I'm not alive was the scary contradiction he uttered every night since the murder of his brother. (laughs) 28 years later, the well-renowned chess player sharpens the blades of capitalism with the American dream whetstone. He he plays chess once or something. And finds himself at the top table in the city's underworld. Rubbing shoulders with the Chicago mayor gives him amenities beyond the normal gangster scope. He lives life as if it's the only thing he has. <laughs> wait a minute, Paris. No, wait. no, that's not the wait, end. But the mayor, the mayor never four, came up, did he? I have four more paragraphs. Excuse me. <laughs> wait, but the mayor never happened. She, she's mentioned once. <clears throat> on one hand, the devilish, devilishly good-looking Tremor is a family man, but on the other, he's the head of Chicago's most infamous D organization. <laughs> Oh no! His hard and unforgiving exterior secretes a weakness that is exposed in the form of Jane, the series' black widow. Please don't be fooled by her passion for high heels and sexy undergarments. She assumes the lingerie she displays is more than agent provocateur. As she remembers from her days at law school, the words are a French legal term for entrapment. Tonight, the two meet at a luxurious boat party, which sparks a fear-provoking uh, journey into the unknown. Can Damon avoid her mind-bending games, which threaten to loosen his grip on the Windy City's windpipe? Or will Jane get caught up in her own sticky web of deceit and pay the ultimate price? One thing's sure, Damon will understand what the great Abraham Lincoln once said. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. You may want to switch off your phone and fasten your seatbelt for this book, Joyride. But be warned, there are many fast corners without breaks and unforeseen dangers lurking in the dark. Your box seat is waiting, and so is a cast so well-developed their disposition overlaps believability. This is an adult read. <laughs> I forgot Whew. that he ends it with the, this is an adult read. I I mean, all right, that's... This the synopsis is a nice microcosm of like all the it, things that yeah. happen in this book and why a- it's bad. Absolutely. Like just kind of like a weird mishmash of clichés that somehow like even those seem like they're through a game of telephone and misheard a couple like a mistranslated box of clichés. <laughs> yeah. Um 
so yeah, like the the plot, you know, you were asking me a couple minutes ago, was there anything redeeming about this? And like, to be fair, the uh, the bones of the plot, like if you're looking at a bullet point outline, it reads like, I don't know, a lot of crime TV drama, like TV shows or like movies, right? Like I didn't, sure. I didn't, weirdly, I actually didn't think the bones of the plot were that bad and i think in better hands it could at least be like a mediocre you know crime drug kingpin like everyone double crossing each other you know you'd have to change that title from uh, i'm living but i'm not alive though oh fucking christ yeah um but yeah like the actual so i was like i remember thinking about this as i was compiling my notes i was like you know it, it surprisingly didn't have as many plot issues i mean there are there are obvious issues but like i think like there's not really any plot holes there's just like more shit that i didn't need to have in here yeah that's not relevant to the plot right but but i was i was thinking about that i was like wow actually the the bullet by bullet like if you were just like okay you know this happens this happens this happens very in a very like uh stripped down way i think you it could be turned into, like I said, you know, a mediocre, like, shooty gun, shooty gun guy drug stuff uh, drama also or something. Also some sex. Yeah, we can take it. Yeah, whatever. I mean, and... and so how, yeah, we can lay out those bullet points pretty much right now. Um, yeah. So the plot is like, it's like I said, it's like your average crime in the city story of a drug kingpin and a bunch of people double crossing each other. Um, he's got, you know, a wife and two daughters and a mistress. He's, uh, he's... Uh, traffics cocaine and heroin i believe among other things and he has a lot of um like you know quote-unquote lieutenants or whatever that work for him in different parts of the city there are rival um crime bosses basically and we kind of come into the story on the eve of him opening up his nightclub called black caviar um, hence i guess the title of the series for some reason uh-huh. um one of his employees we learn uh randy is trying to cut him out of some sales meanwhile another of his employees rick is working uh spoiler is working with his mistress jane to ruin him at the employ of the cousin of a man who uh hired someone to kill his brother a long time ago so it's a little convoluted there but it it makes sense when you read it, it yeah read if it. you read the book it, uh or you know like i said if you're laying this out bullet by bullet or episode by episode since this guy <laughs> seems to want to categorize each chapter as an oh, episode yeah. and there's 40 50 episodes in in the book some of them are very short and would definitely not make for a good length uh, like an actual episode of television but yeah uh too many episodes in a 300 page book um (laughs) so yeah so we're in chicago i want to say the modern day like this was published in 2014 but i don't know maybe it takes place a little earlier because nobody has smartphones like people have cell phones there's a scene where someone is looking for a missing cd to play music for right which is a little dated um I don't know. So, eh, give or take 10 years, modern day. Um, The main character... So, there's something stupid about and confusing about the main character. So, the main character's name, we come to know him as Damon. His real name is Dean, but he assumed the name of his dead brother, Damon, after his brother died. So, like, that gets a little confusing. Uh, Are you sure? Are you sure it's not Demand? Oh, my God. 
I didn't even think about that. I hope. Are you sure? Like Paris, I know that that sounds like really, really dumb, and it's obviously Damon. But think about what we read in the rest of the book, and ask yourself: Could it possibly be demand? It especially, <laughs> especially when there's another one of the rival crime bosses that honestly doesn't really matter in the end is named Mega. So you have Mega versus Demand. It could be. <laughs> um, so I think uh, basically all you need to know about that is like when uh, when present day Damon and his older brother, I'll call him OG Damon, <laughs> were yes. children. Uh, OG Damon was a drug dealer. I, it seems like he was maybe like a good a good ten years older than his brother or something like that. It seemed like there was a good gap because. Uh, there was like a mentory scene where his yeah. older OG Damon comes in and is like, "Now don't get into selling drugs." Uh, Dean was his original name. the The current Damon's original name was Dean. Right. He's like, "Don't get into selling drugs, Dean. There's no good in it." I'm now. Uh, excuse me while I go sell drugs to yeah. support the family. And then you find out that OG Damon knocked up the wife of the guy who was like taking care of them, which is pretty fucked up. Uh, there's this couple, Greg and Macy, who took Dean and Damon in as kids when their mom like was having a hard time because I guess their dad died a while ago. Um, and yeah, OG Damon had sex with Macy and got her pregnant. And so Greg hires a hitman to kill him. Um, and he does. And it, But, you know, I think but we don't find this out until much later in the book. Um, and even later in the book, I don't think present day Damon knows about the uh the pregnancy right no um, that was just kind of like an aside to the reader yeah so that's kind of the convoluted mess there um and then there's like the, i don't know the other, the other main character is jane who is damon's mistress who is kind of his right hand woman as well but but how did she become his right hand woman it seems like she stepped off a plane from London. Also, Damon lived in London for a period for some reason. Well, because he, the author is also a British to America implant, so that had to be in there somewhere, I guess. Um, and Jane, like, steps off a plane and goes to a club. A boat party. A boat party. A boat party. Mm-hmm. A boat party. And she just, uh, she's there with Tank, right? Yeah, so she gets into the good graces of Damon's uh, head bodyguard, Tank. She gives him a blowjob to get closer to uh, Damon, and then does so in the turn of like maybe five pages, and then all of a sudden it's like fast forward in time, and she's his lover and right-hand woman, and is in charge of getting the nightclub set up, and in fact is the one who chooses the name, I believe, of black caviar. Well, um, but, well, see, they were spitballing other names, Paris. <laughs> Did you, what was the other name that they were spitballing? Uh, black Velvet? Yes, which to them, they don't go with because it sounds like a fast food joint. Where the fuck are you eating fast <laughs> food? It's called Black Velvet. Yeah. And what would they sell? <laughs> that was very weird. I, I it was one of, It's one of the many things in this book that's just like, what? <laughs> Um, but, what, oh wait, but Paris, really quick, what do you think Black Velvet would sell as fast food? Oh, I mean, it would definitely be uh, goth versions of Red Velvet Cake. It would be like a oh. sweet shop with Black oh. Velvet, like goth Red Velvet Cakes. That's that's my charcoal okay. filled. That's, you know what? That's the, honestly the best explanation because I had no idea. I was thinking <laughs> just like weirdly fancy burgers that aren't fancy. 
yeah no i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking like a a, a goth themed sweet shop that's my <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway there's also Cruz, who is like Damon's best friend. Uh, there's a guy named Three Way, who is a white guy with dreads. Um, who... How do you get that name as like your gangster nickname? Um, I don't know. Probably because he kidnaps and pimps out drug addicted women. I don't know. It it just seems like a very dumb gangster. It sounds like something. Someone who has never heard of, like, actual gang names or affiliations or anything would come up with as a gang person name. I mean, I also thought that, but then I was doing some reading about actual Chicago crime lords, and, like, one of the main ones right now is called Nacho. So, like, you know. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, so I guess, because I, I had the same, the same thought as you, but now I'm like, eh, maybe they are just kind of <laughs> dumb. It's fine. There's uh, a real three-way out there somewhere. Probably. But the yeah, it's the the white guy with dreads thing is funny because the author takes the time to be like, yeah, I know usually white guys with dreads are kind of lame, but this guy's actually cool. Like he he's he's fine. <laughs> he's cool. And I was just like, all right, all right, man, whatever. Uh yeah, I mean there's other characters. Honestly, it doesn't even matter. You don't even need to know any of the Cruise other characters. Cruise three-way don't matter. A lot of people don't matter. Um, because the author wrote this as a series, and instead of giving every character a meaningful place in the first book, he's just like, meh, maybe we'll talk about these people in the other books, you know, as a, probably as a way to get people to buy them, which, like, isn't a great idea, because if you don't hook me into caring about people, I'm not going to read the next book. I don't care how many loose, like, strings you leave. Um, you could have three ways show up as like a side character in a couple shots and like you kind of get like a peek at what he's doing. But the, he has this whole there's a series of chapters he has where he basically picks up a woman off the street who's just like sniffing around on the street for some drugs, I guess. Yeah. And he immediately hooks her into a heroin addiction by giving her some free stuff. But then what? it's not really free. You see, he's going to make her work it off later. After she's hooked after doing heroin for, like, half a day? Yeah, the whole the timeline on that was kind of weird. I mean, the whole... And the whole scene is strange. We'll, we'll read it. I mean, I'm going to talk about a couple of things, and then the rest of this episode is going to devolve into Chris and I just reading pieces of this book, because yeah. it's the only way you can understand. <laughs> um, so, right at the top, the book is weird, because we've got that, you know, that, like, eight-paragraph uh, summary that I read... And then before the book even starts, it, it, there's all this like pre-book work you're doing. Um, and Gotta get ready to read the book. Yeah. So it starts off with that quote, actually, that was in the summary that I read. Uh, supposedly an Abraham Lincoln quote. Yeah, I guess what? It's not. Big surprise. Um, <laughs> I, I looked. I mean, although I can't really fault the author because a lot of people have attributed it to Lincoln, including uh, some like pretty prominent websites about him. So but like it, it seems like historians have never been able to pin it to him. And it seems likely that the, the quote, um, nearly all men can stand adversity. But if you want to test a man's character, give him power. It seems like it was something that was said about him and then has become attributed to him later on. Not a big deal. Like I said, it's whatever. I just wanted to point it out. Um, Minimal that, research is hardly the biggest of this book's problem. Yeah. And so this, the book doesn't even start right away. It starts with this uh, author jerk-off session, uh, some of which I'm going to read. Um, 
there is a heading that says a new breed of thriller writer has emerged gone are the days of indie writers aiming to follow in the footsteps of their favorite thriller authors with repackaged stories a few name changes and slightly different endings this is the age of the most vivid and movie-like writing where words leap off the page with venom it keeps readers pinned to their seats not only are narratives being pushed outside the imaginative boundaries with characters so well-developed, their dispositions overlap believability, but now we're seeing the emergence Wait. of genre fraternization, Those where words. books are no longer subject to a single genre. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> did you know that books were only one genre before Simon H. started writing? Well, no guess, such well, thing guess as crossover what? fiction ever before Simon came along. No. Only, no, no, you see, all books were written in one genre. There was only one, Chris. <laughs> there was nothing oh. else. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood. I didn't realize that we are now creating the first new genre there ever was for books. Yes, you yes. You see, before, there was just regular books. That was the only genre that there was, was just regular books. But now we have a special movie book. Yes. That's different. That's right. the new genre that I have, is my movie book. <laughs> Yep. And uh, yeah, I love the I, you. You started to break when I said their dispositions overlap believability. Another phrase from the summary, which is just a I, bunch I, of words that don't really work together. So when you say overlap believability, what does that mean? I think he is trying to say that his characters are so well written that you believe them wholeheartedly, but the way that he tried to express that thought was totally fucked up um anyway (laughs) this this continues simon h is one such writer his raw and sexy ability to place you in the box seat will have you so close to the action you'll be able to feel the character's trepidation content warning you're about to enter the world of black caviar a dark and unforgiving zone on your ebook reader where words are turned into the most vivid actions please be advised that <laughs> thanks for reminding me how to read what you're about to read contains <laughs> scenes of an adult nature throughout and then there's like the copyright a special thanks and then another section called the backstory that says episodes two through nine takes you on a trip back in time and explains how and why damon becomes the most feared man in chicago's history and the man who has no equal in the underworld's hall of fame why do I need that sentence? If your book was good, you wouldn't need to explain it to me. Um, And then... You also wouldn't need to hype it up at the start as to how you are the only one that's ever written a book that makes people think about something or has good characters. Yeah, I just really... That was the thing that really struck me as extremely distasteful. And then right after, you're like, okay, okay, good. The book's going to start. And then you, then you, you click the button and... Fuck you. No, the book's not going to start. Instead, no. you're going to read the six-word character profile uh, for a bunch of characters because, once again, it's like this guy was like, hmm, I could work on all this exposition and develop these characters, or I could just tell people what to think in six words about each person. Let's do that That's instead. That's how they're so well-developed. Listen, I've created such a complex and nuanced human being that I could boil him down to six words. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to read these because they're pretty funny. Um, Damon, a.k.a. Stringbean, D. His six words are alpha, authoritarian, territorial, unpredictable, bloodthirsty, mastermind. (laughs) So he's a cat. He's a cat. Yeah, he's a cat. He's a big man cat. Uh, Jane, a.k.a. Baby J. Sexy, confident, cunning, sophisticated, heroic, fabulous schemer heroic yes yeah 
Just words. It's just word salad, Chris. Just... <laughs> Heroic doesn't apply. No. Andrea, a.k.a. A-bomb. By the way, this is someone we only meet in the last, like, I don't know. And she, she's she has never like five referred pages. to as A-bomb. She, you know, she has like five pages in the book. Machiavellian. Fearless. Exquisite. Dominant. Perceptive. Diplomat. <gasps> I mean, and it goes on like this. Uh, I'm pretty sure she shows up one time and is like, hey, where's my sister? And then leaves the book forever. Uh, yeah, she's there. She's there very briefly. Um, I love how Detective Frost, <laughs> <laughs> another person who we see for like a fucking sentence. He's described as puerile, susceptible, jester, inopportune, inelegant, and pushover. Inopportune? And also puerile? Like, uh, I mean, it just, you know, it just means like childish, but that also doesn't make sense because he's not mentioned that way in the text at all. Um, he makes like a couple of offhand jokes in a squad car one time and then that's it forever. Yep. Uh, I don't know. There's like all these weird. <sighs> yeah. So it's just it's that for like 20 people. We don't have to sit here and read all of them, but it's really dumb. Uh, Then the then the book starts or you think it does right chris because yeah. this is like where the third layer into this matryoshka doll of setup <laughs> here so episode one time is justice and it's this like it's not even really the story it's like backstory and then um you actually he doesn't tell you the book actually starts until episode 20 or chapter yeah, he's 20. like, now the the story of Black Caviar can truly begin. Right, which is confusing because, I mean, one, you expect the story, you expect to begin in episode one or chapter one. Two, there was that disclaimer at the beginning that said, hey, episodes two through nine are backstory. But you know what? Just kidding. It actually doesn't start until episode 20 or chapter 20. I And even I, then, whatever. you could, like the, the if you just started with episode one or whatever, it would have been fine if that was the intro to like it seems very arbitrary as to where bl- the story of black caviar actually starts it's not even like when the club opens it's like after the club opens yeah and there's in the first few chapters there's also a lot of uh time travel like you go from uh some guy's cell in Miami in the present day to uh 28 years earlier then we go Two, two days before that, and then three days before that 18 happens. 18 months it's- between the real, before the real story begins, <laughs> then, oh, I love when, I love when they do like a minute by minute breakdown of the chapters too. Oh yeah, then two days before the Black Caviar story begins. But then also three days after that, I think, happens. Yeah, the Black Caviar story begins here, yeah. Uh, it's just not put together in a very thoughtful way um i think the author probably was just like oh i think it'll be cool if there's you know some back and forth in time and like yeah sure but like only if that makes sense like telling me 18 months two minutes before the 18 months is like not yeah. helpful at all um, i am very temporally lost at the, at the beginning <laughs> yeah, part of this book in the beginning um so again our biggest issue here is the writing um Oh yeah. And 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 mind you, this it's this bad after an editor was hired and spent a bunch of time editing this. So the Oh, the, so wait, hold on. He followed editing advice? 
I thought this editor like gave him a bunch of stuff and then none of it was followed because I can't imagine. I, uh, so Preston, the gentleman who uh, introduced us to this book, the editor himself, was tell yeah he he uh no he he edited this and he said that he actually had to write large portions of it because like essentially you know because th- what he got was just so like disjointed and nonsensical so yeah this is this is the finished product <laughs> but but there's like lots of like mistensed verbs and you words used that are just wrong yeah who knows i mean he said it was it was uh, it was really tough. So again, I don't want to talk too much about his experience because he's not here today to discuss it with us. But um, there was a lot of like drama surrounding it. But yeah, he was like, this whole thing was was awful. Um, so I think it, I got the sense that maybe it was like he did as much as he could, and then was like, I can't fucking rewrite this entire yeah. series. So because he worked on a yeah. series, not just this book, he oh. worked on the whole series. Oh no! Okay, yeah. I can understand that. That they're, they're, even if he like rewrote some stuff and some verbs were just mishandled, then fi- like I would also yeah. I think ha- he- I wouldn't even half-ass this. I would like eighth-ass. This. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what happened. Is he realized how uh, horrible the project was going to be and was like, you know what? Never mind. Uh, but I'll let him talk about it on, on a future episode, hopefully. Uh, so the following hour is probably just going to be me and Chris <laughs> reading sections of this Buckle book. Buckle in. There's really no way we could do this justice unless we're just like pulling quotes directly and reacting. All right, to let's let's just take turns. Uh, you you start with the first one, and then I'll right. do the second one, and then we'll just go back and forth. Maybe we'll give some context to these, but some a lot of the times context doesn't matter. It's just the way sentences and metaphors or ideas are constructed. For example, Greg walked in with a face like thunder. <laughs> I, he got the old thunder face on. And he was, Don't piss Greg off. No, he was angry. And like, I get what he was trying to do, but yeah. it just, it just was like, it just came, just, it was just like a really small fart. Like it just didn't. <laughs> um, the next one was when, is when Jane is talking to some random lady on the, on the party boat about a bad experience she had. And Jane says, Wow, looks like you were the video game. As in as ever... in as in she got played. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's just a really corny ass way to put that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Jane is British. I should really work on my accent. I can't even um, do it. I I mean, what part of Britain do you think she's like Cockney or like Well, she's from you know, London. More... So, oh, she okay, has so a it's probably like a London posher feel to mm. it. <laughs> and <laughs> Um, how about, well, I mean, you know, here's, like I said, we'll just keep trading off here. At this point, Jane is, I think this is when she's with Tank and she's teasing him. Yeah, I slash think so. Trying to get his, um, the way this is put is, um, Jane zeroed in on his South Pole and sensed at any moment it would be pointing Northwest. <laughs> Which is, like, again, it's just like a super corny ass way to be putting things. <laughs> yep. Um, and this follows, this is the, the scene immediately following. Uh, in describing Jane giving Tank a blowjob, Jane was blowing loud and proud with a deep throat action. Why is it loud? I, what, how? I don't know. Maybe he really likes the auditory aspect of sex. I have no idea. Oh, the but next one. A, the next one made wait, me cry. Well, hold on. Why? Why the word action? Like with a deep throat action? Yeah. 
There must be a more elegant way to put that. This, there must oh, be better words. Yeah, a lot of the writing in this book actually reminded me of the Eclipse of Darkness. It was like the it Eclipse did. of Darkness and Dean Jean-Pierre from fucking Women Worship got together. And they were like, also, you know what? like... <laughs> They watched The Wire once. Yes. In like, but only like four episodes. Yeah, that so I have my theory is that Simon H is actually um Robert Sidani and Dean Jean Pierre. Uh it's actually their like uh their pseudonym. They're they're working together oh, to they're like it's like a pen name for both of them. Yeah, I think that they're they wrote this just to fuck us. <laughs> just for us. They went back in time. Uh they really did. They really did. Oh, Chris, the next one had me crying because it's it's an example of how like you're just trying to communicate a simple idea, but if you miss a if you miss a word or like put things in the wrong word order, it can be funny. Um that's this is a you're talking about he untied yes. his shoelaces and slipped off his Rolex. It sounds like he his Rolex was attached to his hand with shoelaces. Yeah, like he just had it like it was an ankle piece for him. Yeah, like I know what I know what he's saying. Like <laughs> I, he, he untied his shoelaces, took off his shoes, and then uh, you know slipped off his Rolex on his wrist. But like it the, makes it sound uh, like he had to untie the shoelaces to yes, get to the yes. Rolex. It, it has a, it implies a, a causal relationship that obviously isn't there, and that's why it's funny. Um, the warmth of his vivacious tuskness. I don't know what that fucking... What does tuskness mean, It's Harris? It's his dick, Chris. His vivacious hard dick. Oh, because it's like hard like a tusk? It's like a tusk. Pointing oh. out, of his, out of his... Yeah. That's the dumbest way to talk yep. about a boner I've ever yeah. heard. Yeah, like, when I think about boners, I'm not like, oh yeah, give me that tusk. Like, like I'm not like... <laughs> That nice sharp pointy dick. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love to be stabbed in my womb. Uh, it's great. I, I mean, that kind. Of, surprisingly, there's not like a womb mentioned. Oh, in the dude, Veronica I know. Part. I was so excited. Um, so points to you, Simon H. Christ, um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, the next one is my favorite. All right. I. What's the context of this? Because I forgot. He was playing chess. The, oh, this is like the one scene he was playing chess with. I, Against who is he playing chess against himself? Uh, I think Jane or Jenna. I don't remember. Eyeing up his chess piece, he brainwaved on how he wanted the white chess pieces to find the superior positions. Yeah, again, very similar to uh, the dark, the dark uh, unveiling the unseen or whatever that book was. He brainwaved? brainwaved. Like, are you just opening a thesaurus for? You could just say he thought about. Like it's fine. Well, you don't have to make up a new way to think. To write about, he had a thought. Dude, brain, he uses brainwaved all the time. and He does. It was one of the things that made me think this was Robert Sanye, or Sanye, I can't pronounce his name. Um, and, and also, his tendency to explain things like playing chess in such detail that is so unnecessary. Like, he thought about how he wanted to move the white chess pieces to find the superior. Yeah, we fucking know how like, chess yeah, works. Thank you. That's like, how you play the game. Jesus. Ugh. It not been... even like a metaphor. Not even no. like a metaphor about him like doing that in the crime world or like trying to like a visual metaphor like he's talking about and putting someone into place and he moves a rook into place or something. No, it's just Simon was playing chess because he's a smart guy and he was thinking about how to make the smartest moves because he's smart. Yeah, it was it was not good. Um, this is uh, when his best friend is just driving around and there's a sentence that says. Horns honked as drivers showed traffic Tourette's not being able to stop the urge of screaming vulgarities at others who infringed on their space. 
Yeah, great. Thanks. I know what road rage is. You could have said road rage. You could have avoided. Yeah, that very elaborate sentence that doesn't really matter to Eddie. Sometimes this reads like someone trying to hit a word count for a term paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it very much sounds it. like someone just trying to rewrite simple ideas as to like make them as long as possible because maybe he just thought, hey, books have a lot of words in them. The more words there are, the better. Yeah. Uh, ooh, the next one's good because the next one could have been a sentence, but then something happened. <laughs> <laughs> Failing not to let it show, Randy's body language rendered speechless just as his mind told him that being caught doing something that may need an explanation at a later date was never the best position to be in, especially with Damien. I'm tr- having trouble trying to parse like the tensing here and what part of the... F- it's a weird sentence! Yeah, like right? I get like- he's trying to say that like Randy's, Randy's body betrays him, right? You know, he's trying to mask how he fe- how nervous he is, but obviously his body language betrays him. And he's thinking about, you know, how dangerous his predicament is that, you know, Damon's a dangerous man and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to let him know that something, you know, that he's... Uh, I think I can fix the or... sentence. I think I can fix the sentence by placing the word was in a, in a, another spot. I'm going to try to read the sentence yeah, again but with, the, still, with but this word. Yeah, but it's still not... It's still... That still doesn't it still doesn't fix it. I get what you mean, but anyway. Do <laughs> you want me to read? Try to read it again. See if no, it sounds better. No, because okay. I know. Well, it, yeah. No, it, it, <laughs> we've got too much other, other stuff to um, do. This terrible book club listeners could try to put the word "was" into that <laughs> sentence I read on your own for your fun at home activity. Yeah. Why? Why? Why did we not set up a Mad Libs form on the website for this? Um, the next one is there's like this weird prostitution scene for no reason. Um, and the woman is, I don't know, daydreaming, and she sa- and it says, there was no more time to wish on a star when she heard the doorbell ring twice. There's no, She wasn't looking out the window or anything, or, like, looking at the night sky, by the way. Nope. So that's not even a setup for any, it's just a random aside about wishing upon a star. Oh, um, it gets, it gets more fun. Um, so, there's a... There's a whole section that I would love to read. Um, um, it's, it's technically my turn, but I would allow you to, <laughs> to you know, I can, we, we all know I can only read short things. I can't read direct from copy for too long. That's true. Um, sorry, I'm just trying. To, oh, I think I found it. Oh, I highlighted it and I didn't even see it. Um, <clears throat> so this is while Anna, the... Um, the prostitute is or sex worker i guess that's the better way to put it she's is, under three ways employ that's yeah, why she's relevant yeah, to she's the under three ways employ so she is a uh, drug addicted sex worker and she is um having an encounter with uh, a customer <clears throat> anna conjured up thoughts of her favorite activity in the whole wide world kissing a passionate tongue canoodle with a customer was a forbidden action she never entertained, <laughs> as it reminded her too much of the closeness she once shared with her husband. Given the chance, she would break the rule, wanting to feel the electric energy of osculation with this man. Rocking her pelvis from front to back, just below his buttocks, she could feel herself getting deeper in the mood. Her hands shared the work of relieving his full lymph nodes from all the dormant infections his body had collected over the years. Ew? 
gross what <laughs> that yeah i just felt like that paragraph was a great little like mm, this is what's wrong and with this book that's like the sexy part of the book which like by the way it's not like any of the other parts of the book are equally as sexy there's like a lot of things about like baby oil there's one scene where someone asks like oh do you want talcum powder or baby oil oh, and i'm the- like is that a like a sexy thing dude what- dude yeah yeah let me let me just get, yeah you know what rub me down and talc powders so we can have a nice dusty fuck because that's exactly <laughs> what we should be doing right like They're the ashiest of fucks <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> i don't that was confusing the the baby powder was confusing i, I like I there to know. be a cloud that erupts when i slap an ass <laughs> i like to actually develop asthma for each you know it's like yeah get that get that baby get that baby powder in my lungs it's my fetish i love breathing in baby powder <laughs> so yeah so she gives him a massage with baby oil because he's not a psychopath i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah if you went with like talcum powder i would have been like i guess a little bit more intrigued by the scene or something <laughs> i i it would have been great if it like devolved into a baby powder fight in the room like they don't even have <laughs> sex they're just like squirting baby powder at each other um so it's you know it's there's like several chapters of the i mean and chapter is a generous way to uh describe these episodes but that is what they're supposed to be um they have this this ongoing sex sexy scene or whatever and it's basically the the cliche of like oh the sex worker finds the one man that she falls in love with and the man falls in love with her and it's like okay um never been done before nope. such well developed characters so developed um leaping off the page with venomous words uh, yes. or whatever he <laughs> oh there there's an- another of my favorite quotes is from the next section with these two and uh I'll just read the sentence. His okay. mouth opened and locked into place, and before she could pull away, her tongue openly engaged with his, swirling in French kislets of passion. Oh. <laughs> French kislets of passion. It's, it's, it's like fuck. It's like <laughs> gross and corny. Like the <laughs> yeah, two things yeah. you don't want to be in an erotic scene. Yeah. Those are the two things you should be avoiding at all costs. Yeah, like. I mean, I'm sorry, but if I if I read something like that, that's that uh, that's it. I'm well, done. the next part might actually be my favorite like page in the book. Actually, so much so that I, I like took a screenshot of it <sighs> and started sending it around to people. What? I didn't even see this. I was cut out of the screenshot. Uh, well, you read the circle. You read the book, so we were going to talk about it anyway. But I'm just going to read um, my favorite page or section <laughs> okay. in the book. Now, I've got that off my chest. What can I do for you, Mr. Pimp Juice? I know you want advice about how best to get more men through your brothel door spending more money, Randy laughed. Well, my friend, let's check out the motivating factors as to why my whorehouses stay busy. Like oxygen, it's only important if you're not getting any sex at home. Lack thereof causes penis downheartedness, angst, and a willingness to do anything and go anywhere to get some. The question you should be asking yourself is why are the only man in a hundred block radius not getting any? These are the reasons why you keep tripping over the doormat to get inside my brothels, Randy. Penis downheartedness. Oh, and Mr. Pimp Juice. Yeah, those are Mr. Both- Pimp Juice. Oh, that's great. There's a lot of juice talk in this book. A lot of juice. Um... Oh yeah, then there's also the the phrase that caught us both off guard it, kind of in the similar section was um the sex worker who we were just talking about she refers to her uh customers as wheat bellies. <laughs> and I think 
I think she's trying to, or the author is trying to say, like, oh, you know, those kind of, like, uh, middle-aged dudes who have large stomachs because they've had too much beer, like, kind of conjuring that image. But it was such a kind of, like Chris was saying, kind of a silly way to put it that it... It it's just, like a weirdly like rednecky down home ass way to put someone that's fat, which is like not the tone of the rest of the book. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the problem with all of these things we're pointing out is that they really distract you from the story. Like all these missteps, and they're so frequent. I mean, this list keeps going. Um, is the next we're one, not even halfway done. Is the next one me or is it you? Uh, I just did Mr. Pimp Juice and Penis Downheartedness. So okay, go ahead. The embarrassing moment of removal had arrived, but to his dismay, he retracted his manhood minus the condom. Why is it embarrassing to pull out? You're going to have to leave sometime. Yeah, I I don't know why it's embarrassing. And also, it's just like such a such a bland way to talk about something (laughs) that could be, um, you know, very stress inducing if we gave a shit about the characters. Of course, we don't. So whatever. But like every opportunity to engage with the material in a deeper way in a more surprising way in a more um engaging way he just d- throws out the window he's like nope i'm just gonna write this like a textbook like oh great that's yeah that's wonderful it's definitely how <laughs> fiction works all right i'm gonna tackle the next one here because it's, i don't know have you ever watched 30 rock paris i i ha- i've only seen a couple episodes but can you actually just read the section that this is from um i don't, don't have really like the oh, location on hand i can find it but uh, essentially, uh, well, I'll, I'll give the Thirty Rock context here. There's a I got, episode I got it. of, okay, there's an episode of Thirty Rock where um, two characters are talking about how best to be creeps about picking up easy to pick up women, and their strategy is to wait until you see someone crying um, in a public situation and to walk up to them and say a very spe- ask a very specific question which was just written out completely seriously in almost the same manner in this paragraph. So why don't you hit me with it, Paris? All right. Actually, you know what? I'll just read it. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Baby, what are you looking at so intently over there? Hello, calling Damon. One, two, calling Damon. Jane laughed out loud, still trying to attract his attention. Hey, baby, what's wrong? (laughs) Which is the line from 30 Rock on how to pick up. Um, you know, easy to pick up people. It just appeared in this context as Jane asking Damon about what's wrong. It still was funny to me. Oh, oh I, found, line was- I found the other thing I was thinking about when three-way picks up Sky. Um, oh, why don't we have, why don't we talk about this one too? That's like, that, that scene is what I think of as, hey baby, what's wrong scene. Um, <laughs> so he, so three-way, uh, remember the very good, the very okay white man with dreads. It is okay that he has dreads. Um, he is driving around and sees a girl on a street corner looking nervous, quote unquote. Somehow he can determine that just by quickly driving by her. Um, and he's like, ooh, basically thinks she's a good mark, you know, for his business of making women addicted to heroin and then making them do sex work for him. He uh, pulls his car up on the pavement, rolls down the window and says, Hey, girl, you're a long way from home. Do you know you can get killed out here? He asked with a warm, friendly smile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If a dude pulled up to me and tried, like, your first instinct is to run away. Run away, walk very quickly in the opposite direction. 
Not Sky. The woman who appeared clean and tidy peered in and gave a half smile, unsure what to say or do next. Trying to take in as much information, he settled on her fresh-looking skin and oval-shaped face and concluded that maybe she wasn't a hooker. Her dyed pink A-line with low lights gave the impression she was a free spirit with a little edge. My name's Three-Way. Well, that's what my friends call me. I think it's because I know these freeways like the back of my hand. That doesn't even make sense. He dawdled for a moment, admiring her green eyes, which seemed to change in the light. So, what brings you out here? Don't tell me you're doing an assignment for college about the deprivation and low living standards in the hood. The woman broke out into a nervous giggle, but still never said anything. I bet your mom always told you to never speak to strangers, but I guess I'm no longer a stranger since I've introduced myself. What's your name? Hold on. Don't tell me. Let me guess. Something fresh and exciting? By this time, the woman had moved closer to the open window, with hands loosely hooked in the loops of her snug-fitting jeans. In an apprehensive voice, she replied, My name is Skye. Well, that's a lovely name. It's a pleasure to meet you, Skye. Reaching over, he put his hand out in Skye's direction and waited for his new acquaintance to extend hers. After hesitating a moment, she did, and while he spoke, he discreetly checked for any needle or track marks, anything to give him a clue. I'm off to get a cup of coffee. Would you like to join me? Plus, it's about to rain. Come on, jump in. I don't bite, he teased, releasing his grip. Skye seemed to relax a little, but took an extra second to think about his proposal. That whole scene was like, what the fuck? I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I get that sometimes people end up in sketchy situations because, you know, they're looking for drugs or they're lost or whatever, but like... It most definitely does not happen like that. No, and why, like... Like, that was, like, an ABC after-school special about, like, a guy in a white van that says free candy picking up a five-year-old. Like, that's kind of how it felt. I mean, Skye is an adult woman. She's in college, so she's young. But, you know, I I just don't know that any person would be would, that naive. You would think, yeah, yeah no, it, it's it, she's incredibly naive and... It's, you know, there's so many asides about three right being like, oh, he took advantage of her naiveness because he's a bad guy that would always does this to anyone that crosses him. Three-way is a bad guy. But Sky is such an unbel... I, I can't imagine a woman in this, in this world, in this society, who would just hop into a car with someone like that. Especially after all, like, hey, did you know you can get killed out here? Hop in! But, but- <laughs> yeah, I mean... I definitely understand that being addicted to drugs puts you in very risky situations and makes you make decisions that, you know, externally seem totally outlandish. But at this point, she's not addicted to anything. She was, like, looking for some coke or maybe... No, she was looking... I think she was actually looking for heroin. But... But it's it's treated like she's not addicted to it yet. Right, right, exactly. And... So, I don't know. It seems very strange that you would get in a car with someone. I mean, honestly, if you're looking for drugs and you're on a street corner, someone will roll up to you and just sell to you from their car. Like, you don't have to get in the car and go with them to another location. Or if you're in a at a college campus, you could probably reasonably find them through some contacts. Right. Like, the fact that she's in you college... You don't have to go across town or whatever, No, man. you really don't. Like, I mean, and this is... I mean, maybe Chris and I are giving a little too much away. Uh, disclaimer, um, I think it's just, we just know a lot of people, who, <laughs> uh, you know, who dabbled in drugs while we were in college, and it was it seemed very easy to get kind of anything that you wanted. Um, 
Maybe not like super, but like you don't have to travel that far and stand around waiting for no. someone to roll up and be like, hey, did you know that you can die out here? Come with me away to my drug lair. Yes, <laughs> to my lair, uh, which is exactly what happens. He kidnaps her and continues to give her tons of heroin until she's so strung out that she doesn't she can't even like function and he keeps her locked in his apartment and then eventually forces her into sex work so that she can keep doing heroin i don't know um and that whole storyline as chris pointed out earlier just doesn't matter she fucking gets shot in the head while giving a blowjob or something uh um, yes yeah i do like there's a scene where damon ambushes mega the rival crime boss that we mentioned before who is only referred to as mega by the way so i always pictured him as megatron from transformers because uh, yeah. why the fuck not i actually did not like too. he gave me much other there's no reason for me to go elsewise it's not much of a description he's just mentioned offhand and all of a sudden he's in this scene where sky and anna are stripping for him and sky is blowing like his lieutenant or something and then damon walks in and kills the lieutenant and sky why did he have to kill sky i don't know man there's no reason for anything um oh yeah that's also the scene where they tell anna to go and undress in the cupboard and they're like in a warehouse and they're like go undress in the cupboard or in the cabinet or something it's referred to as a cupboard many times and they're like, yeah, just go strip inside the cupboard and get ready for us, which is totally just a setup for Anna to be hiding when Damon walks in and not a reasonable thing that people would do when you hired someone for sex work to be like, go strip somewhere else. Yeah, especially when <laughs> I think Sky had already gotten naked in front of them, right? But then they're like, oh, yes. Anna, go get naked in the cupboard, <laughs> in the warehouse cupboards. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, make sure you find, you know, chip in there when you're... <laughs> <laughs> Lumiere may also be found. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like in the cupboard, you try to get undressed, and the fucking candle starts talking to her. Or be my guest. Be my guest. <laughs> no, wait, stay in the cupboard. They're all getting murdered out there, actually. Just stay stay in here. Strip right down. Ignore the rest. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Let's continue oh, down the list I'm of things. Cr- crying imagine oh god chris there's probably beauty and the beast porn out there oh, oh there's gotta be but I've like no it. no like live- paris paris i've seen it it's it's live there. action yes you can can we get a brief description for inquiring minds i mean like i don't think i haven't seen like lumiere live action stuff but definitely like beauty and the beast stuff is out there yeah like but someone I want- dressed up in like a like a purple like face paint and like a mane oh um, like that i want i want like a full musical review i want all the songs to be redone <laughs> i want like no you know, well, no they didn't have that budget oh come on how did they not have lumiere and the fucking feather duster they were you like you gotta you gotta pay someone on patreon to draw that for you no That's how that no works. no i want a full i want a, a <laughs> Okay, I want full right, regalia. Well, I want songs. I want costumes. The terrible book club uh, Kickstarter page is going live <laughs> next week. <laughs> what are the other songs in Beauty and the Beast that you would change? <laughs> All I remember really is "Be My Guest." Um, that's like the oh, uh, the opening one. Um, what is it? It's like. Um. Oh, fuck. 
It's like we when when Belle's the- no, it's like when Belle's walking around the town and she, everyone's singing about how she's weird because she reads books. Um, oh yeah. Uh, well, all I remember like, from Beauty and the Beast is be my guest. So you know, oh, dude, you it can, would be you can do so much with that already. Oh. Uh, fuck my chest, uh, <laughs> suck a breast. No, with even with the opening one, I was thinking of it's like it starts off like uh, something something another day like always something something like uh, rolls and breads to sell. Yeah, like butts and tits to sell. <laughs> 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 all right let's continue this list is still long paris we gotta we gotta get moving despite was, our wonderful I idea I that we more have prepared to, to re-sing the entire beauty of the beast film <laughs> with <Okay>. porn lyrics <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll get the lyrics up and we- i blame last last episode's book on this we started with the disney hentai in the autism episode yeah the autism play episode and now we're we're now we've continuing moved- theme for the rest of terrible oh, book club god <laughs> Um. Oh yeah. You you made the next one's all you. So at least like three different characters in the book will exclaim, "Not so fast, Turbo!" Like which sounds like a line from uh, Power Rangers to me. Not not like something you would say to people for getting ahead of themselves. And three different people say it, so it's not even like a cute thing that one person says a lot. There's also a lot of times where a paragraph will just start with. Dang, the character shouted. There's yeah. a lot of dangs in this book. Oh, I love the, the again, the poorly, like, just textbook descriptions. Uh, three. Three. <laughs> I'm three-way, the gangster. <laughs> Sorry, I think I broke myself with <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast porn musical. Did um, you know you could get killed out here, girl? Why don't you hop in my car? three-way. <laughs> Oh God! Um, I was trying to say. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it for you, Paris. Please, thank you. A, a chapter opens with three-way remained pissed, which just to me, like, it's just a weird way to like start things off. He's like, oh, he's remained pissed oh, the God. whole time. Uh, this other one. Seen. Oh God! This is my pool, and I'm the fish keeper around here. <laughs> Why do you have fish in your pool? This should be in the aquarium. <laughs> By the way, David also has an aquarium full of oh, donkey boy. skin piranha. Which aren't even a thing. <laughs> like, I'm pretty... Okay, again. Again, I'm not an expert, but, like, I used to work at a fucking aquarium, and we had piranha, and I've never heard of donkey skin piranha. <laughs> uh, also, like, I would like to just point out that this book is is spreading the the incorrect propaganda that piranha uh will eat you alive and they're man eaters like no dude most piranha are uh herbivores all they're all omnivores none of them are just strict carnivores and they also won't fucking like swim out of a river to fucking eat you like piranha get a bad rap because uh in the amazon during like whenever there's a a dry season where these where these fish live sometimes um the rivers that they live in can get so dry that they actually get trapped in a pool in like a puddle um because you know there are like divots in the in the soil beneath the river and like as things dry they get stuck in these little these little puddles and so they don't have any food 
So what happens is if people come along and step into those puddles, they then get bitten and attacked because the piranha are starving because they have been trapped in a pond. Um, I mean, and some species of piranha are like more aggressive than others. Like the red-bellied ones are particularly aggressive. But still, this concept that like you throw a human man into a tank of piranha and they'll eat him alive, it's like... like Down any to the animal. bones, like in the cartoons. Yeah, and it's like, sure, like any animal, if you starve them... They will eat whatever you put in front of them. But that goes for cats. Cats eat their owners when their owners die and no one else knows. Like, it goes for dogs. I mean, same. Like, any animal, if you starve them and then... Let me ask Let me ask you this, Paris. How many piranha do you think it would take to eat a person alive if they were... Hung- Let's say there was a deep enough puddle and they were hungry enough. How many do you think it would take to actually murder a person oh, with their teeth? I don't know. I mean, it's like... If there's only one of them, you can just rip it off. How about how like, about like six? Because do, Damon has like six, and they're treated as like murder machines. Yeah, he also has in his nightclub in the Black Caviar nightclub. He also has a tank of mini hammerheads, which I think they mean bonnet heads because bonnet heads look like mini hammerheads. But like, why is it? It's always like, oh, this dude's so rich and fabulous. He's got all these like dangerous animals. Mm, like, ugh, fuck you how let's continue down the list with another really cool way to put something everything will be cooler than a fan oh yeah yeah you know that phrase that cool guys real high effort writing there um oh you you have a great you have a great note here oh detective phillips what a pleasure to hear your voice i do hope you have something for me is like the most incriminating shit to say to your dirty (laughs) cop contact (laughs) <laughs> like there's no you, those are the words you shouldn't absolutely use yeah there's no reason like if you're talking to your dirty cop contact please talk about like donuts or something have a system don't be like hey <laughs> yeah. uh you got any illegal information for me friend on this phone call that could easily Excuse be recorded me, cop and i'll give you your rank and last name so you're easily identifiable <laughs> to anyone listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ooh. Job career. Job career. You know. Job, yeah, that's just... Uh, uh, he's talk, Someone's talking about, oh, I'm worried about my job career. That Just pick one. That was a misedit, right? Uh, Something happened that yeah. you just forgot to pick one. Chris, the next one's really good. Get it together before my bullet and your heart make an awesome connection. <laughs> yeah, you know, your <laughs> bullet and my heart have... Uh, you know, they've, they've just got this... They've always been in love. You know, and we gotta we gotta foster that relationship. <laughs> They're gonna Bullet make an awesome hard. connection. <laughs> That's just again, it's such like a corny way to put th- yep. the whole book is just m- mega corny in a way that is unforgivable for something that's trying to explicitly be cool and, and very smooth. serious, right? Like, like that's the thing. We're laughing, but we're talking about shit that's, like, actually really fucked up. Like, women being forced into sex work because they've been forced to be addicted. They've been kidnapped and, uh, you know, made to do drugs against their will. We have, um, you know, this this crime syndicate shit going on. Dirty cops. People being tortured alive. Um, it's all kinds of crazy shit happening, but, like, it doesn't affect you because it's all written so stupidly. Oh, like it, oh, this, yeah! It's, it's it's a severe mishandling of of a lot of serious subjects. Oh boy, um, I love. I'm thank you for putting this in there, Chris. The only solace he found was in the airport coffee. 
But not even that could take away the harsh complexity of being Chicago's crime alpha. Yeah, <laughs> like, not even that shitty coffee can take the edge off of being the fucking crime lord of Chicago. Like, it doesn't um, make sense. Of course not. Crime alpha is like the sh- dumbest way to put it. I get it. Like, he's trying to sell it like he's a big sexy crime lord man or whatever. But it's just, it's just corny. It's stupid. Yeah, it's not, it's not compelling at all. It makes you laugh rather than want to engage crime alpha sounds like a shitty villain like super villain or something like there's a point in the book where he describes the main character damon like being alone by himself and he just like yells like i'm the alpha or something like or how about how in the description it says every night he repeats i'm living but i'm not alive and he does say that at one point in the book after like there's a phone call some guy keeps calling him up and laughing at him and is unidentified (laughs) for the entirety of the book pretty much and he, he says, like, oh, but I'm living, but I'm not alive. You can't get one over me. And the summary leads me to believe he says that every night, but he doesn't. No. So. Oh, you know, the other thing I forgot about, you know, we talked about how strange the over-specificity is sometimes. And one of those things I forgot to put in the notes was his dogs. So Damon has these two dogs that he reminds us every single time the dogs are in a scene, he says, Damon's Caucasian of Charka dogs, his of Charka dogs, his of Charka dogs from the Caucasian mountain range. Like, <laughs> he won't stop with it. And, like, I get it, dude. They're big, beefy, cool ass dogs. Like, they're like, um, if you've ever seen a Tibetan Mastiff, they're very similar. Yeah. Um, like, so huge fucking dogs, like pushing, you know, 200 pounds. They're really big. And. Here's an. Oh, uh, you have more to say about that? Oh, or? I was just going to say, like, it, like whenever they're mentioned it's always like his big menacing dogs are loyal, loyal only to him his of charka dogs his of charka it's like dude no one's ever heard of an of an a caucasian of charka before like you might want to give a little more context it's weird so he has this like over specificity every time he mentions them but then doesn't elaborate on the dogs like and it's just like it's not <laughs> it's not like you had a doberman like everyone knows what a fucking doberman is it's like it's like know your audience like i don't i don't know there's also, a, I think Cruz has a pair of cats, and one cat smashes a glass vase with, like, the power of throwing, like, keys off a table or something. It's yes. a very confusing yes. sentence. Yes, you're but right. it's a very strong cat, no matter what how you splice it. And again, with Cruz, this is Damon's best friend, his cats, it goes into this weird specificity about how they're ragdoll cats, and they're very beautiful. And I was just like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, the cat swipe some keys off a table because you know cats they always got to be fucking swiping shit off surfaces but the cat does it with such force that the keys rocket into a glass vase and shatter the vase and i was like that's a really fucking strong what, the, cat. what are you feeding that cat dude just ultra cat steroid <clears throat> imagine garfield wanting his lasagna but he's fucking rich that's what <laughs> Yeah, in fact, that whole scene is where the cat helps him find his keys. There's a whole scene where Cruz has lost his car keys and his cat helps him find them. It's like relevant later because he's like minorly late for something, but it doesn't really matter in the context of the story at all. This all takes place like in the middle of Cruz being teased by his wife for a week 
with like signs over oh. her vagina right. while she walks around in a g-string all it's very it's like, oh she's walking around in a g-string all week with a sign over her vagina that says do not enter and then later on she has another sign a cardboard sign that says one more night that she walks around with yeah this just seems like a lot of effort uh for because they they explain that like cruz and his wife i don't remember her name uh she's a very minor character I, we, you know, it, it talks about how oh, um, they have this plan where they have sex once a month. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so in the week leading up to the sex, it's this big thing where the wife parades around, like Chris was saying, in a g-string with cardboard signs like taped over the g-string, and I just, again, it was like all this unnecessary stuff. I just don't, I don't mind understand. you. I like a good tease, but this is, again, such a corny tease. Yeah, and also, like, why do we care about this? As readers of this book, we've been reading about Damon and his shit forever, and then they start talking about Cruz, and it's like, why do I give a shit about Damon's best friend? He's not integral to the story at all. And why do not I, relevant furthermore, in any way. why do I give a shit about his sex habits with his fucking wife? I don't yeah. care! <laughs> yeah, there's oh, no reason God. to include this. No, um... Oh boy! And then speaking of speaking of which, oh Adele, her name is Adele. Thank you. It that must be just like him trying to put the actual singer in his like. Yeah. It, it seems with the way like random Britishisms pop in here, like people talking about having a lay in or something. Yeah, like that. and it, that was that was another problem I had with the book is because the, the author is originally from England. He uses all these phrases like a lay in, or he refers to nail polish as varnish. Um, you know, and that's fine, but then he also mixes it in with Americanisms, like, for example, actually, the nail, nail, it's nail varnish in one sentence and the nail polish in the next, and it's like, I just want some consistency in, in the voice, you know, of the story. Yeah. Um, if you're writing for an American audience, you know, maybe, maybe stick with the American versions. If you're writing for a British audience, use the British ones, but like, just choose one. I found that a little disorienting. Um, it is. Oh, uh, but speaking of Cruz and Adele's uh, once a month fuck fest that they organize, um, there's a, I mean, Chris, you you might want to go into more detail, but this is a sentence pulled from that part. Uh, This is Cruz thinking. He remembered sticking his middle finger in the air for a full 12 chimes while Adele did her 12 licks to heaven. There's a clock going off somewhere, like a bell tower. (laughs) And while Adele's blowing him, he decides to give the sky the middle, f- or the clock the middle finger? Yeah, because, you know... I don't know who's doing the fuck you two, but I, because it's noon or something? Yeah, because, you know, Chris, when you're getting a blowjob, you, I mean, you just have to. It's like a reflex. You have to just put your middle fingers in the air. No, I think <laughs> it's only because the clock struck 12. I like I, I I don't know. It's a, a wh- very weird thing to write. What? <laughs> what? Why? I don't know. Oh my god, we still have like another two pages of notes. No, but we, we we even skipped over some things like this line with a neck stiffer than a box of Viagra. It's not the box that's <laughs> stiff. No, you see, Chris, they've they've upped their game in packaging. They've now <laughs> found a way to repurpose the Viagra as also the container. Um, yeah. It was the night before change, is how one chapter starts. 
Oh, oh! I found the other note about the sex scene between Adele and Cruz. There's, there's a whole sentence or two about how she covers his, his whole ball sack, his whole scrotum in honey. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a big thing. Being very specific to say he, she got made sure every nook and cranny of his scrotum was covered in honey, which sounds like a, a UTI waiting to happen yeah, to me. Oh God! Or I, just like a messy, cl- like if uh, is he shaved clean? If there's hairs over there, it's gonna fucking like hurt later. Oh my God! I didn't even think about that. Yeah, maybe he's maybe he waxes his whole body. I don't know. He better if you poured honey on it. That's very true. Um, th- so <laughs> I think we'll close with just some other fun memories from the story. Um, the literally like the second or third paragraph uh, when the story begins. There's a scene uh, where we're in a prison in Miami and there's this guy, Melvin, talking about how he remembers watching Damon torture his brother, Sam, alive. And I know that sounds exciting, but it's not because the way it's written is fucking lame. Um, And he's talking about how he's trying to get to sleep. But unfortunately, the horror of hundreds of flip flops are (laughs) keeping him awake. Whap, whap, whap. Wap, wap, wap. But mind you, I'm super annoyed by that sound too. But like it, the sound, like imagining hundreds of them just wap, 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 wap. It was just such a strange thing to to mention. Uh, Chris pointed out that there's a scene later in the series where Jane, who is you know Damon's right hand woman and uh, mistress, she's just sadly DJing by herself in the club. And <laughs> well, then yeah, Damon just like walks up to her and, like as she's like sadly like spinning some vinyl by herself and then oh and then he fucks her uh while she's from, looking at shoes from behind and then later on his kids like what's that lipstick on your collar daddy like how that happened i guess she's flexible is how that happened or maybe or- maybe it continued but yeah i had the same note i was like so actually i forgot about that yeah like so the whole scene is strange like they i forget maybe they got into an argument or something i think they got into an argument right and yeah. Jane leaves the office in the club and goes down to the floor to sadly DJ by herself because I guess that's how she does. Um, and she's DJing and then Damon comes in to be like, oh, I'm sorry, baby, or whatever. And he starts fucking her over the turntable, which, like, I know everyone's fabulously wealthy, but like, hey, let's not damage the turntable, okay? Yeah, um, shit's expensive. And I guess there's also a laptop open... And, uh, while he's fucking her from behind, so while Damon is fucking Jane, she's pulling up images of shoes and focusing on these awesome shoes that Damon's going to buy her while he's fucking her, which is just like the most capitalist thing ever. Like It's like, it's, it's like the most ham-fisted characterization of a woman as materialistic I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like, yeah, she loves she loves shoes so much, she's gonna look at them while you fuck her. Like, okay, dude, that's pretty weird. Um, I mean, I guess if you're a foot fetish, it's fine, but, like, no one established that. That was not yeah. established for Jane. There's nope. just a lot of things about shoes. Um, oh, also, he's, like, he talks about, there's another part where he's talking about Damon, you know, being a rich crime boss, of course, he has to wind down at the end of a long day with, like, cigars and whiskey. But he's like, oh, yeah, he, he started drinking his JD. Like, dude, if you're rich, you're not fucking drinking Jack Daniels. I'm going to tell you that right now. Jack Daniels is, like, bottom shelf yeah. li- uh, whiskey. I mean, sure, sometimes they do, like, 
you know some special more special versions but that's like that's like painting someone as a rich beer aficionado and being like oh he sat down with his sam adams like you know it's <laughs> he like he had a natty ice on hand in the <laughs> yeah. fridge crisp and clean like it's fine i'm not like it's fine but it, it doesn't make it's, sense it's, right if you're it's trying not to- how you would characterize him if you're trying to make him seem upscale right similarly later on there's a mention of swarovski crystals but it's spelled swarovski <laughs> Yep. It's not it's not the correct way. Um so later when uh there when like the big I don't know, one of the big moments of climax uh, not sexual uh story climax in the book where Rick, the guy who is betraying uh Damon, lets a bunch of dudes into the club to to uh stage a kidnap stage Jane's kidnapping and like steal some shit and fuck up his club or whatever. Um so Chris has an amazing note that I don't want to steal from him. Uh, if you want to, if so, you want to talk about these six masked men that that come yeah, in, he lets in like a, he he assembled a posse of some kind to break into the club, steal stuff, or, or you know generally cause some mayhem and fuck Damon's life up. He and he it's it's specific to mention what kind of weapons all six of these men had. Three of them have handguns. Two of them have lead pipes. And the last guy has in one hand a meat cleaver and the other one a rolled up magazine. What fucking class are you playing, dude? <laughs> like, what? Oh, my Wh- God. Why is that? This, like, did he just forget? Like, they were about to do, like, the break-in today or something? He's like, oh, shit, I'll take uh, the knife over here and a magazine by the door. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess. You know what? Other people have guns. This is probably fine. <laughs> I'll just... Is he oh, like no. the animal handler in case there's a dog? He beats them back with the magazine and then kills them with the meat cleaver? Like, no, Chris. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that he read 101 Weapons for Women oh, and yeah. knows that you can cut a motherfucker with a magazine. Yeah, that's many blades. He can confuse people if he throws the pages in their face. <laughs> If you haven't listened to the episode it's where this we feel the stream, bitch. Like. <laughs> And then, so we find out that the the rolled up mat. I think it's actually a rolled up. Is it rolled up poster? Um, I, th- I because I don't think it matters a whole lot. But. Well, because well, the poster comes into play. So they stage this kidnapping of Jane, um, and they uh, they leave a poster. They take a picture of the poster. I forget. But there's a they unfurl the magazine poster or whatever, and it says Gabos. Game ain't based on sympathy, which I thought was supposed to mean something to Damon, but apparently he has also never seen this phrase (laughs) before. Just someone dropping like a shitty like tagline. Yeah. Why do you have to abbreviate it to Gabos? (laughs) And also like, I, I don't understand why that's even necessary. Like, Obviously, you're all fucking crime bosses trying to either forge allegiances or you're, you know, uh, in some kind of war with each other, right? Like, I don't see why you have to say game ain't based on sympathy. Like, I don't think anyone has a pre-existing notion that the world of crime has anything to do with sympathy, right? Like, what's the point of even saying I just this? sent this poster over to clarify for you. In ca- like my, I sent the, my last guy, he's the message bringer, you see. He unveils that, oh, in fact, you should have expected this to happen to you based on my really clever acronym of GABO. I- 
And it sounds dumb. It sounds either like the male island of Lesbos, like Lesbos and Gabos <laughs> out in the you know sea, um, or it's like a bad villain from a child's cartoon like oh no we must band together and defeat gabos <laughs> it, it reminds there's that one episode of the simpsons where crusty has a rival per, like fake ventriloquist coming in with the dummy named gabo and there's just a bunch of weird ads that everyone sees on springfield television about I just, gabo I just, so i just kept thinking about that guy i just had to spit the mouthful of tea i had in my mouth back into my cup because I forgot about Gabo. Oh, no. Oh, that's... that's what I thought about the whole time. He unfurls the poster and it's just a poster of Gabo. <laughs> <laughs> Game 8 based on... Sentence incomplete because I ran out. <laughs> no, yeah. Game 8 based on... I don't know. Fill in the blank. Whatever you want it to be. Oh, Gabo. No, because Gabo was G-A-B-B-O, right? So Game 8 based... Fuck. Um... Game 8 baseball out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's like... (laughs) That's about as good as the writing of the rest of the book, so you know what, honestly. Oh, oh my God. We got a couple more points to hit here, Paris. We we still have a couple more points to hit here. Oh, um, so this... (laughs) One of my favorite parts of the book is when the the kidnapping is staged. But of course, you know, Damon thinks Jane has really been kidnapped. And they're like, oh, six million dollars or we'll kill a bitch or whatever, you know, however they put it. Um, And Damon's like, oh, no, Jane's been kidnapped. She's in danger. Oh, you know what? But I got to get like a sandwich and a nap in like before. He stops off at home for a shower to sandwich and a nap. Just... (laughs) Yeah, and then and then you're like, okay, uh, I guess he went home to shower and nap and have a sandwich, but like, surely he's gonna get right on trying to find Jane because in the text it's like he's so worried about Jane, his world is crashing down around him because Jane has been kidnapped. What if Jane is dead? He will kill himself if something happens to Jane. But first, a sandwich. and then he okay so he has a sandwich and a shower and his nap and you're like okay he's gonna hit the road he's gonna hit the fucking pavement like he's gonna be like sonic he's gonna be on fire fucking no he's like gotta gabbo fast gotta get yeah gabbo gabbo gotta go fast um so he's like (laughs) so you're like okay surely this is where he mounts his his investigation into where jane has gone but no first he has to set up a bunch of interviews at the club to replace Jane. Yeah, because... you know, in case. It's just smart business work. It's just work. smart business, right? Um, and so first, he's there's a couple of paragraphs about him organizing interviews, and you're like, what? <laughs> and, um, and then you're like, okay, all right, he's got all that straight away. He's got a sandwich, shower, nap. He's got the interview set up. Now he's going to go find Jane. But no, like, Finally. several days go by. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, other shit is happening. And I guess, like, good thing that this was a setup and Jane actually wasn't in danger. Because let me tell you, if she was, she would have been fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's ridiculous. And then there's, like, this whole other complicated thing that happens where they're like, okay, if you want to save Jane... Uh, meet us in Seattle at a mountain. Yep. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know if they're like, I don't remember what, where First they like, was. go to this place. And then when he gets close to the place, they're like, actually go all the way up the mountain with us. No, they're like, actually wear this 
explodey vest that will explode if you stopped walk if you stop walking for more than 30 seconds and there's this whole like supposed to be action drama sequence where he has to get up to the mountain in a certain amount of time uh and he can't stop for more than 30 seconds or he'll his vest will explode and they literally chat chadlock <laughs> <laughs> trying to say chain and padlock and my brain went nope chadlock <laughs> what is it what is a chadlock it's what happens when um uh it's when you get friend zoned by that by that bitch that won't go out with you yep. because she's just too busy with chad you got chad locked out you get chad locked oh god that's perfect you, you came up with new incel vocabulary paris congratulations i'm sorry Oh, I'm sorry, sweet world. I didn't mean to do that. Oh. <laughs> anyway. So there's this whole, like, ridiculous sequence. But, of course, like, nothing happens. And he, I mean, he gets to the top. He, you know, Tank exchanges the $6 million. They get Jane back. And then the story continues. And I was like, okay, so there's no consequence for anyone. I mean, I guess he lost $6 million. But, like, he's so rich, whatever, right? Like, it doesn't really matter. So there's no consequence. No one was ever really in danger. Um, and then I don't know. There's like a they all go to a, a MMA fight. Uh, I think it's an MMA fight anyway. Um, yep. And then there was this guy that kept popping up throughout the book trying to get a job or like trying to arrange a drug trafficking partnership with Damon named Sean. And turns out Sean was involved in the past because he, Sean was the man that killed OG Damon. What a twist. That doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. So Sean just point blank tells him, like, oh, yeah, I'm totally the one who shot your brother. Like, and. Would you like to sell drugs with me now? Yeah. And Damon is like, he's like, excuse me one moment. And then goes and cries outside. And I was like, I feel like. That's not how someone would react. I feel like a... I thought you were the crime alpha, yeah, bro. I feel like a crime <laughs> like, lord who finds out after 20 years or 30 years or something, like, that this is the dude that killed his brother. Like, you would just pull out your gun and shoot him in the head. Like, there would be no... Like, it doesn't matter that you're in a casino. Like, if you're a crime boss, you don't give a fuck. I mean, I just... And then he goes outside and he cries and he's like, I'm living, but I'm not alive. And it's not effective at all. Um, yeah. And you find out that like Sean is also working with uh, the big evil guy who we never actually find the name out um, of this gentleman. We just know he was the cousin of Greg. So to restate um, when Damon and his brother were children they were fostered by greg and macy who were friends of the family because their mother was like struggling to support them and so damon's older brother goes and gets macy knocked up somehow i guess when he was a teenager and you know her husband greg finds out about it hires sean to kill damon's older brother he does that but then greg feels so terrible about it that he hangs himself in the garage and his cousin finds him and his unnamed cousin is actually this big bad guy who has set up this whole conspiracy thing with like jane like sending jane in to seduce damon and get uh hold on the business and and ricky as well and um or rick as well sorry and uh 
he's also the one who is sending Sean in to kind of like negotiate. So they're trying to just like take Damon's whole crime syndicate down the D organization. Um, but I, I, it seems kind of ridiculous, right? Because like Damon isn't the person who he was a little kid when all that shit went down. Like, why would yeah, this cousin right? of Greg hold this grudge for thirty years and plan this elaborate scheme? Like, and I know that Damon changed his name to Damon, which was his older brother's name, which makes it confusing. But like, he did it well after his older brother was obviously already dead it's not like there's any confusion it's not like this this are you guy... sure that maybe in a later book that, that this character isn't going to be like oh i thought you were that daemon though is it unreasonable to think that with the quality of the writing here uh, that that could be the way that it goes it just doesn't make any sense because it, no way in in no situation would it actually make sense because yeah it was Greg killed himself over something that he did. And it's also, not I, like- and also, I presume the shame of having his wife impregnated by a uh, ostensibly maybe a teenager that he was sheltering in his own house, yeah. uh, who he then had murdered. So yeah, uh, all that. But yeah, I don't see why the cousin wants to blame, you know, Damon because he was like a little kid at the time. I don't understand that whole thing. I mean, like you said. I guess they could introduce the concept that there was confusion, but like that's lame. That's that dumb. doesn't make any sense. Like there's because Not it's obvious that the older brother Damon died. Like it's very obvious the hit was successful. They even yes. they go into uh, so like I don't see how there could be any confusion. Um, I know we said there weren't any plot holes, but there is that huge one. Oh no, um, yeah, that would be impossible because Sean he would have sent Sean in knowing that Sean killed his brother originally, right? So the big bad guy wouldn't not know that if he sent him in specifically for that. Right. So I don't. So it just it just makes no sense that. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe <clears throat> maybe like through coincidence, Greg's cousin who found him, who is actually the big evil bad guy, maybe he like it seems like he also kind of came up through the criminal underworld. So maybe he's just like oh i want to take over this other guy and i coincidentally have some connection to him but like it's not um it's not motivated by any revenge it's just like we're crime guys doing some crime i fights. know how to fuck with you even worse right I guess. right i guess um and so after all that the book ends with um damon and jane going off to one of his many properties it's like this beautiful glass uh mountain house in seattle or something something like that and they run in in the rain and they're all wet and they're gonna have this beautiful lovemaking session but i don't know damon like starts thinking about it and is like why wasn't she more traumatized when she was undressing she's a traitor and i was like what excuse me it's really it's a really weird way to come around to that it's like a real. He's like, oh, she should have been more cry, like, like you said, more traumatized by the whole thing while she was undressing because she might have been attacked before. And obviously, if that happened, then she wouldn't want to remove her clothes without crying. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, so obviously, he thinks Jane's kidnapping was real, um, and even though he talked to her about it and he was like, "Did they hurt you?" and she was like, "No, not really. They just kind of smacked me around." He was like, "Okay." 
so like we've already established that she was not sexually assaulted and and he also knows her to be kind of a badass bitch too on right top of that. right so like she's she's built up as this like hard calculating woman who you know was maybe just tied to a chair and smacked around a little bit so like i don't yeah it's also that also doesn't make any sense like how he he makes the connection that she's uh somehow she's a traitor there's no yeah it doesn't make sense like it's because she doesn't act womanly enough but it's like she doesn't fit into the gender role stereotype that this writer has about how women like approach dealing with kidnappings like that yeah, it's like, of course, they must, they can only get over it by wanting to, I don't know, crawl into your arms forever and cry. And it's like, that's not how everyone experiences trauma. Like, people get over trauma in very, very different ways. And to try to say that, you know, a woman. You can wasn't unravel really... her scheme against you because she didn't act the right way after a traumatic incident. But even then, it's like, it's it doesn't even make sense in that regard because it's not like she she wasn't sexually assaulted she wasn't made to strip nude and like tortured she was tied to a chair fully clothed and got smacked around a little bit that's all he knows so i mean unless part of their lovemaking was involving being tied to the tied to a chair and getting smacked like i don't i could see her having a negative reaction to that if you know given the supposed circumstances of this kidnapping but like saying oh she got undressed in front of me and didn't have a problem with it she's a traitor like what that fucking made no goddamn sense really jumped to that conclusion so he makes this judgment and tries to attack her while she's sleeping with like a fire poker or something and that's where the book ends because, you know, of course, it has to end on a cliffhanger because he really wants you to buy the next book. And then the, the end of the book, much like the beginning, is him just jerking himself off and talking about how you got to buy his next book. Oh, my God. It's it's on sale right now. Fucking look at these early bird reviews. And and he says, click here. <laughs> click here to get your premium book juice. <laughs> <laughs> just a perfect way to end yeah, it, really, yeah. honestly. That's what that's what we sling here at Terrible Book Club is premium distilled book juice. Click here for more freshly, <laughs> freshly squeezed right the pulp right from the pulpy pages, yeah. directly into your glass before you. Premium, hundred percent book juice. Oh my god, that would taste so gross. <laughs> Imagine drinking book juice. No, I don't want to. It would just be like distilled wood pulp. It tastes horrible. Mmm, mm, bark. Mmm. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, you know what? I love a cold glass of splinters in the morning. <laughs> right after I have my nice, nice dusty talcum powder yeah, fuck, yeah. I have a tall glass of book juice. <laughs> Just can't get enough of that particulate <laughs> in my life, really. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, and also, so the, the click here for more premium book juice is the final line in this whole fucking <laughs> shebang. But right before that, so after the, the scene ends... And, you know, Jane and uh, Simon's about to, like, attack her with a hot fireplace poker. Um, he goes on this little, you know, this this rant about how great his next book is. And he's like, you know what? Let's let's meet Audrea, the person that you met for, like, five sentences in this book. You know, is she the most dangerous and complex female character to ever walk across the pages of an ebook reader? 
No, it no, no. he's not. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not, dude. And he's like, you know what? Well, we've we've asked Andrea here today, our newest female <laughs> bombshell, to introduce herself. And there's this whole section. Hi, I'm Andrea from Spokane, Washington. Simon H. has given me the title of probably one of the most dangerous and complex female characters to ever cross the pages of an ebook reader. But oh, two, say. and this enthralling series will help you decide. I usually don't like to divulge stories about my past, but feel, in order for you to understand my future actions, I may need to share a bygone action. I'm not sure why, I'm not sure why I'd want to allocate additional time to a living nightmare that haunts my soul day after day <laughs> and took away the man I loved, but I'll take this treacherous journey down memory lane as long as you hold my hand. Okay, all right, all right. Like, wow. Just, I... Fuck. What, what, who, why would you make this choice? Yeah, I... I don't understand all of these choices. Um, It's quite confusing. It's quite confusing. Um, Well, I mean, I I mean, we could like spend hours just reading random sections here, but this is already a a pretty lengthy episode, I would say, Paris. So do you you have any final? I mean, I mean, first, so the verdict is fuck this book. Don't fucking read it. Oh, yeah. Don't read this book. It's not worth your time. Um, in fact, I would say in the in the three or four hours you would take to read this book, I would recommend you actually walk, drive, take public transit to your nearest theater and watch John Wick 3 because that is a way better use of the three or four hours it'll take to go there, watch the film, and come home um, because that is a very d- dumb, fun time about a bunch of crime folks. Um, I love the John Wick movies. I saw it a few weeks ago. So see John Wick 3 instead of reading any of the Black Caviar books. That is my recommendation. This podcast is sponsored by Keanu Reeves. Uh, dude, I mean, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. I love me some Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's good shit, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's pretty fucking great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, that's my verdict. How about How about you, Chris? Oh no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But there's, there's, don't waste your time. Absolutely, don't waste your time. I felt like I wasted way too much of my own time, and I do this podcast for fun, technically. Yeah, te- so, yeah. It's interesting that we we say that we do this for fun. I I feel like we need to like change uh, that <laughs> that description. I'll, I'll I'll have a think about it after this one because th- this was. You're you're right that like the bones of the plot could have been like a mediocre TV show or whatever, yeah. but just the way everything is put is corny to an unforgivable degree. And just, it's I I I can't say anything more. Adam. No, we, we've, no, we've elucidated we've elucidated it all at this point. Um, so no, I think that, I think that I would say that doing the show is a hobby, but I don't know. I don't know that about, counts. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's it for the book. Um, I was actually hoping to talk a little bit about the adventures of Chris lately. Um, I've been having a rough weekend slash... I mean, did I talk about tour already? No, no, that's why I wanted to talk about... So Chris recently went on a small tour with his band, uh, and I figured it would be fun for him to talk about it because he was telling me some of the stories, and I was like, these are fucking ridiculous. You should really talk about them on the show. So I guess uh, if you don't give a shit about this, just whatever, skip ahead to the very end. But uh, I I thought it was fun. Yeah, let's do Chris's story time a little bit. I went on two little traveling excursions recently. One was uh, I took Graveborn out on tour... Oh, we, we took ourselves out on tour. I shouldn't put it that way. Um, from basically, it was a little hop around sort of the northeast area. I went to Manchester, New Hampshire, Brooklyn, New York, uh, Ardmore, Philadelphia, which is just outside. I mean, Ardmore, Pennsylvania, which is just outside Philadelphia. 
and then back to Long Island, New York, for a final show before coming all the way back over here. Um, we went with our friends in My Missing Half, also a fairly, uh, pr- a pretty awesome, actually, uh, melodic death metal kind of style band. If you like yourself some At the Gates or In Flames, or you might dig them a little bit. Um, so, I mean, it was a, it was a whole adventure. I, I, it was one of those things where, like, planning it and, like, all the logistics I fucking hated. But, like, in the moments, it was fun hanging out with my, my friends in Graveborn and... In getting to know my missing half a little bit better, hanging out with them, so I'll uh, just do a little. How, how about you tell them about the the curse of the tour? <laughs> okay, so um, the first night in Manchester was pretty unremarkable. It went off fine, except for the sound lady being kind of late and also kind of uh, acerbic at us. She was just having a bad night. It seemed like, and that made the show run later than it should have. But the day after that, we all get in the van to go head over to Brooklyn, New York, where we played the Lucky Thirteen Saloon. Which is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool metal bar. Uh, fair warning, there are lady dancers there, if that's not your thing. Uh, they're not topless or nude or anything, but they do display a pretty incredible pole dancing skills. Um, but the poles are on the bar, so not only do they have to do the dance on the bar, they have to avoid kicking patrons in the face as they do it, which was all the more impressive. Um, I had to run the door because the, like, the show part of the venue was just kind of, like, in the back, and I would be, like, running, like, the one entrance to that area where the show was taking place, taking people's money, stamping their hands or whatever, um, and in front of me were the ladies dancing in the bar, so pretty much I was facing them the whole time, which led to me kind of, like, awkwardly tipping them at the, like, before I had to go on for my set, I had to, like, run over to them, they were, like, taking a break, I was like, Hey, ladies, you're very talented, um, and I, I feel, like, a little awkward that I didn't, like, be, wasn't able to tip you or anything because I was just kind of staring. The whole, I didn't put it this way, but it was essentially, <laughs> like, what I, I did not make that much of a fool of myself. <laughs> good. But it, I felt like that when I walked up to them to be like, hey, ladies, you're very talented, good work. Or what, I, I forget exactly what I said. I handed them, like, 30 bucks because they worked hard that night, pretty much, and I had made a good amount off the door. I was able to pay the rest of the bands as well off of that night but before we even loaded in my missing half rolled up with their van and they couldn't get their back door open in their van to unload their gear because a pedal board had fallen to like the latching mechanism in such a way as to jam it completely Guys. now they also have oh, like a great cords jesus christ there, there was there was like a great behind where they sat in the van like you know separating them from the equipment in case you know your fucking van rolls and you don't have like a cabinet taken off your head or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. it was like it was like screwed in and bolted in. So uh, two of my bandmates had to go in with like Allen wrenches and like pliers and like sort of loosen one corner of it and then <laughs> yank the metal back so that the thinnest member of the band, Nick Petrino, also a guitarist for D. Snyder, by the way, currently on tour with D. Snyder after our tour. Um, he had to crawl in through the back and, oh. like, unlatch the pedal board from, it, 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 like, the back of the van so they could get the van open to unload the gear into the venue. Okay, so after this point, please tell me they discovered that bungee cords are a thing and they fucking strapped down that pedal that pedal board or put it somewhere oh, else. Oh, no, because the next <laughs> night, we, we're playing in Ardmore, Philadelphia at the Rusty Nail. Oh. Um, beforehand, we actually, like, there was, like, a parking lot at a train station that we could all park in. Like, they didn't have any, like, it doesn't cost anything to park it. You just fucking oh. sit the thing wherever you want or whatever. And so um, we kind of set the vans over there. Grave Warren and I went to, like, another, like, dive bar down the street called McSorry's. I had some $6 mozzarella sticks. They were fine. <laughs> and 
to to pass the time, we went into like a, a bowling alley slash arcade where we played. It was like full of children and families, and like these two metal bands just walking in, and we decided to like play a, a little mini air hockey tournament that got the interest of these two little kids that were nearby. So they started like playing us. There was like an older brother and a little brother. The older brother eventually kind of won out against a good portion of us, and then. His little brother took a turn against me. It was like the first time both of us played. And this little kid fucking destroyed me. Oh, yeah, like sure. nine to two on an air hockey table. I, I wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm blind. Whatever, kid. It doesn't matter. But like when the kid won, I heard his whole entire family burst into applause as if he just graduated college <laughs> for like schooling me on the air hockey table. I mean, it's Ardmore, Pennsylvania. It's, yeah. And yeah. And, and then I played a show at the Rusty Nail, and I slept on the floor of the vocalist of the headlining band, Dark Water's End. Very extremely good metal band that you should check out. Um, and uh, John was kind enough to let me sleep on the floor of an apartment that he was still paying the rent on, but had moved out from a week prior. So um, I got to experience floor sleep, which wasn't that bad. No, However, floor sleep before is fine we, as long as you like. Before we out. loaded into that show. I was walking up to the, va- the where the vans were parked with my missing half and Graveborn hanging around to find out that previously their bass player had like went to a store to buy deodorant and like stuffed his bag with it and then like thrown the bag in the back with the gear. Guess what happened with that bag? It once again fell back and got <laughs> caught in the latching mechanism of the van door. So they had to we they, they just called him up and they were like, Alex, just come to the van. It's an emergency. And as he's like walking up, he's like, what's going on? And then Nick tosses him the keys and he's like, open the van. And he goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then like when when he like starts opening the van, he's like, all right, Nick, you're up again. And Nick's like, wait, no, what? He's like, then Alex goes, you think I'm going to fucking fit back there? Oh, so really, he played himself. And then the next night we went to Long Island and Long Island is full of characters. Let me tell you. Oh, this is my favorite are- story. There are people there, like, basically it seems like Long Island is kind of desperate for a music scene or shows. We pull up to this place called Rams American Pub that's, like, under, like, or nearby a, an airport or something. So there's, like, low-flying planes going over the venue most of the it night. It sounds like um the place in Revere. It sounds like uh, Sammy's Patio here. A little bit, kind of. the airport, yeah. Re- reasonable, reasonable comparison. Um and uh, we went to like an outback steakhouse down the, like across the street because I don't know I guess we just wanted like a better selection of booze. Yo, you're having and... a fancy ass tour of fucking eating mozzarella sticks, eating at outback. Oh, dude, we ate at the Skylark Diner the the morning Fuck before you. we drove to Philly, which was like literally a hundred and thirty dollar food bill. <laughs> we had ordered a feast of breakfast. I had a very nice lemonade that was like freshly squeezed and had like fresh strawberry and blueberry muddled into it, so every sip you took had a little bit of strawberry or blueberry in it. Yeah, it was quite delicious i also had a basque breakfast sandwich which was like a sort of spanish style uh breakfast sandwich with like spanish peppers and stuff which was delicious i'm pretty sure they would be very offended that you called them spanish style and spanish peppers it is basque style uh, i i i'm separatists. giving the most yes <laughs> they're separatists they oh well you know doing my best here anyhow um, we're back, so we're back to Long Island, actually, where, um, it seems like they really want some shows out there. It was a six-band bill. The first band was a lady that called herself Secret Ion, and she played, like... <laughs> was she in, uh, the Netflix blockbuster series, The OA? No, no, she wasn't, but she, d- she did have, like, uh... A- 
she came up to me after her set and like explained that oh secret ion is about like how we're all changing all the time you're your own secret ion and she was a very earnest lady oh boy. very all about her art um and she did have a great voice she did sing really well and she played guitar pretty well too her guitar sound was just like an sg through an old fender amp with some distortion on it Sounded fine. Her bass player and her drummer, though, which she explains that she kind of has a collective of people that she hires for certain shows, really phoned it in on her, I have to say. It oh, almost would have been better if it was just her singing and playing guitar, I feel like. And, you know, she seemed like she really wanted to make some pals. So I, but I was like kind of a little drunk from a Tito's and lemonade I had had at the Outback Steakhouse. So I was a little bit sort of like giving her like the uh uh-huh, okay thing when she talked to me, which I think made her embarrassed and had her scurry off. And she like left the show after that. The band after that uh, was Holy Vulture. And they were just like a hard slash southern rock trio. Very good guitar player, very good bass player. But the drummer was this amazing blonde lady who fucking killed it on her performance. She was doing... She was an amazing drummer to watch the whole time. In fact, like my drummer um, who was filling in for us at the time... Because our real drummer like hurt his back before the tour. Um, yeah, he, yeah, like, that was the curse of the tour I was speaking of. Yeah, he like bum rushed this lady after her set and was like, "Oh my god, you're so good! Oh, that was so amazing!" And she seemed very flattered by it the whole time. But it was pretty impressive to see like this amazing death metal drummer just run up to this lady for her like her amazing performance skills. But again, kind of like a weird thing because then Graveborn came on. We're third and we're straight up death metal. So I feel like we like ruined everyone's night that wasn't that was there not expecting metal. There were a couple of like stray metal fans that showed up just because they heard a metal show was happening though. Seems like Long Island is like a sort of a mildly untapped market because even other metal bands we know from Long Island, when we told them like, hey, we're playing the show out there, they were like, there's shows out here, excuse me? So there might be I don't know. It it's see another character that I met was this guy that I guess lived next to or above the bar because he kept disappearing into a door with like his metal cup that just was refilled with booze every time he appeared from out of the door and the best way i can describe this dude is a perfect fusion of john redcorn and boomhauer from king of the hill it's like a it was like an absolutely perfect fusion of those two people that's the only way i can describe like talking to this dude didn't he buy like a shit ton of merch from you guys too? He was decked out in great. He had the hat on. <laughs> he had a shirt around. Like we gave him a free CD and shit. But the dude was excited and like great. He spent like forty bucks. He tried to spend more. He like forgot he paid because he was so fucking plastered. I oh, guess. Wow. But Jesse like refused the money. My guitar player refused the extra money. He's like, no, you already paid, dude. Meanwhile, the guitarist from My Missing Half was like, dude, I would have taken the money. I need. I'm gonna be eating good tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, y'all are fucking going to restaurants on tour. Jeez, fancy I boys. Mean, Graveborn treated it as like a money sink slash vacation. We did not yeah. look to make profit. Yeah, we know. made money during the shows, but it was basically enough for gas money. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. The the curse of your broken drummer, like getting a drummer last minute to fill in and then like just all the nonsense. I mean, it it was it was a fun. sounds like a fun time. It was indeed an adventure. And then I also went to Portland, Maine for a few days with my lady friend Rebecca after that was quite nice. They have a lot of good food in Portland, Maine. I would recommend Central Provisions if you're looking to blow some money on small plates because they make some pretty wild stuff like a spicy beef salad, a bone marrow toast. Um, they had a, this asparagus salad that was like my favorite salad I've ever eaten in my entire life. Wow. That's a that's a ring endorsement from you. You're not really a salad guy. 
I'm getting more and more into veggies, and this was like a really major helper for it. Huh. Um, there was Pie Man Miyaki, which was like a pretty good ramen restaurant over there that was really good. Duck Fat served me an amazing Cubano sandwich and served my girlfriend like this duck and greens salad that was like really tasty too. All right. Um, and uh, there was a there was a couple of there's a lot of good food in Portland. It's a little pricey. It's like you're spending a l- minimally fifteen dollars an entree, but um, it was really good stuff. And now I'm very sick after that trip because I went on a little hike on an island that was like reachable by car. And I think just all the exposure to like all the pollen and forest stuff, which I don't usually get out into ever, kind of fucked up my respiratory system. And now here I am all sniffly and whatnot because of that I got to build a little fairy house in the woods though. What? Cool. Okay, Did- so on this on this island, there's, like, a fairy village, which is basically, like, a bunch of, like, little houses made up of, like, twigs, leaves, and moss and shit, leaned up against trees or whatever, and, like, you go out to the island and you make your little fairy houses to, like, expand the fairy village and whatnot. <laughs> there were a lot of cool things, and I made, a, me and Rebecca and I made a tiny little fairy house. Very nice. Uh, what's it going for on the market? What's the market like? Um, fairy rent is looking pretty steeper. You know, the air is getting a little more gentrified, more people moving in. We did see something that looked like uh, fairy condos because it was, like, very elaborate oh, and, like, shit. square. <laughs> so, oh. you know, maybe the the rent's going to go up after that. But, you know, uh, hopefully the slug that was nearby moved in and, you know, had a nice place to live. So, fucking, you know what? I blame the fucking gnomes. It's the gnomification <laughs> of this island. There were... There were some larger houses that could possibly be gnome sized that were not fairy sized. Telling you, so that's you, what it is. That's the problem, man. You could perhaps be right about that. Uh, well. Also, a uh, final thing. Fuck Red Sox fans. They're rude. They were rude to me no. when I was coming home from work the other day. Oh, God. The Green Line train stopped at Fenway, and, and I had to try to find a shuttle to take to Kenmore, which is just one stop away. But I couldn't find the shuttle because the. Track workers were rude when I tried to ask because everyone was asking them where they where the fucking shuttles were and they would just point in a general direction and go like over there, which is like uncrossable because there's fucking train tracks in the way. So I had to make my way through like Kenmore Square blinded by sunlight in a crowd of like drunk Red Sox fans who would like shove me aside as I tried to like get my bearings on my GPS in the sunlight, which is pretty impossible for me to do. And then when I was like trying to even get on the green line on the way home, I, Park Street is like the hub station where you can change from the green to the red line. And people would just crowd the door. People didn't move away from the fucking door to the point I had to go like, hey, I'm trying to get through, buddy, to some guy. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, motherfucker. So that, then I, I literally had to like shove people aside with my – I crowd killed my way off this fucking train. <laughs> that sucks. I mean, yeah, this is, this is why I'm glad I, I never have to take the green line ever. Because fuck, fuck drunk sports fans. I'm sorry. Oh, I get yeah. you're having a fun time, but fuck them. I mean, this sounds like some version of hell. I... Meanwhile, the pride parade was also happening at the same time and letting out at the same time as the game. And when I got on the red line, it was full of pride folk. And guess who was super nice and courteous to me? The pride folk. Yes. Yeah, no wow. Shit. No shit. <laughs> uh, All right. Sorry, that's dude. my fucking Chris story time. Yeah. Chris story time. A uh, very, very rich and varied story time this this week. Um, I feel like I don't really have story time. Uh, I did just want to say a happy belated birthday to my friend Amber, um, because she was supposed to have a get together, but a bunch of things went wrong. Factors were, factors were against us. So, uh, in lieu of that, just wanted to say happy birthday on the show because I know she listens and enjoys it. So happy birthday. Amber. Happy birthday, Amber. Um, yeah. So this brings us to the end. 
You got to so, do the show closing now. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to Preston for making us aware of this book. We uh, hope to have you either on a regular episode of the show or on a, um, you know, Patreon special at some point. Uh, we, we tried to make it happen today, but uh, he lives in another time zone. You know, I mean, we just two people meeting each other in a Facebook group. You know, it's kind of hard to make that work. So, uh, you know, we'll see for the, for the future. Of course, thank you to our Patreon supporters. You folks are the best, and you make ter- the you make my mouth fail. Um, you make <laughs> that's what a what a wonderful song lyric. <laughs> yeah, you make my mouth fail. Uh, well, it's better than bubblegum toes. <laughs> uh, bubblegum toes? What the fuck? Oh, I thought I thought that was I thought that was the lyric you hated from that song. Dude, bubblegum tongue, <laughs> bubblegum toes. What the ew. <laughs> Gross! I hate your body as Wonderland by John Mayer because of that cringe ass and your bubblegum tongue. Oh, line. I God. fucking hate it. I never knew that that was what it was. Oh. You thought it was bubblegum toes? <laughs> you think they let that get away on like a top forty like radio? <laughs> I don't know. I can't understand. I don't pay attention to songs like that. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting, Paris. <laughs> okay, well. Thank Let's thank our patrons for making these th- these moments possible. Thanks for making bubblegum toast possible, everybody. Oh, you thank can... you, Dan. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, you, you Will. You just said Dan. <laughs> oh, Dar- Dan. I'm sorry. My eyes. My Cut eyes. This. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thank you to Dari, Greg. Dari, I'm sorry. Will, <laughs> Veronica, D, Jared, Lynn, Sitna, Jakob. Torben, aka Duck King, and Bobby Black Cat. Thank you to to all of you. Um, not to Dan. We don't have a support name. Dan. You know what? I'm Actually, sorry, sorry. if your name is Dan, just go sign up for the Patreon right now. Yeah, make this not a mistake for me, please. Um, so, I'm sorry, Dari. I, 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 my eyes are bad, and when I was looking at the text from, you know, a re- what most people would be able to see from your name looked like Dan. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, if you want to help support the show, you can add your name to this illustrious list by heading over to patreon.com slash join slash terrible book club. Uh, you can become a patron there at the $5 a month level or higher. You can enjoy special video segments, uh, which is mostly just uh, Chris and I doing Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, right now, we're actually watching the series, uh, the second season of The OA uh on netflix but usually we do stuff related to uh books we've read for the show so we've watched like the left behind movie we watched maradonia um there's a whole there's a whole shit ton of content on there um for the low low price of five dollars a month or more uh you can also do us a favor and give us a review on some kind of platform whether it's itunes or something else it doesn't matter um you can also download the radio public app which is a a podcast listening app and listen to us on there whenever you listen to us on there you help passively generate income for the show we get like two cents a play and an extra dollar bonus if you listen to three episodes in a row so you know what honestly even if you want to download the app and then just just play the whole catalog and like leave your phone somewhere and like go do something else that'd be great um we also really appreciate when people say hi so if you want to say hi ask us a question give us some comments please do you can reach us uh, you can reach out to us on twitter instagram goodreads facebook um you can also send emails to us at terriblebookclub at gmail.com i'm sure there's some other service uh through which you can contact us but i can't remember anymore at this point in time Nope, that, that's most of the avenues there, if not all of them. Oh, boy. Yeah, so um, we got one more book for uh, June, and then 
July is going to be a, a special month here at Tavern Book Club. Very, very special month indeed, Paris. Yep. I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I am either. But uh, thanks for joining us. Sorry, this was uh, a long one. Double-sized for your listening eyes, uh... which are ears. Which are ears. <laughs> I, there's something wrong with both of us for this yeah. recording. Like we're both coughing and fucking stuffy. Uh, I'm sick and like sweaty, and like I'm just sitting here like in a pool of like thick sweat. I have to take a shower. Gross. Yeah, should maybe cut that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I'll I'll see you next time, Chris. Bye, Paris. Bye. Every dick like the one before. <laughs> there goes the dealer with his drugs like always. <laughs> the same old crack and heroin to sell. <laughs> D- dick as big as mine. Fits just right inside. <laughs> Barely even friends. Then somebody dies. <laughs> Unexpectedly. No one's dicks like Damon's. No one's quick like Damon. No one's neck as incredibly thick as Damon. (laughs) 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 Who shoots meth like Damon? (laughs) Who?